Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. This is the third and final episode in our mini-series with our friends at Ceridian. Today, we're going to be looking at the future of talent, and I'm delighted to be joined by Soman Mondal, who is the GM of Talent and Intelligent at Ceridian. Hi, how are you? Good. Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Now, that, that's not a British accent, so just tell us where you're based. Absolutely. I am based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay, so just, just on the border of... Um, New, borders New York, isn't it? Very close to New York. I can't yeah, drive there, yeah. but it's pretty close. Cool. Good. So let's find out a bit more about you and then we'll get into talent. So in episode one, we did uh, the future of pay. Episode two, we did the future of WFM and today we're in the future of talent. But tell us a bit about yourself. What, where have you worked? What have you done? How have you got to your role that you, you're uh, holding today? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been at Ceridian for just over 18 months and I landed at Ceridian through an acquisition. So before landing at Ceridian, I was the CEO and co-founder of a company called Ideal. So uh, it's ideal.com. And we lived and breathed talent. But, you know, I'm not uh, an HR. You know, I didn't build a career in HR. I'm not a recruiter. I'm not in talent acquisition. So you might be wondering, you know, why did we start this company called Ideal? So if we rewind almost 15 years ago, we started our first software company called Field ID. And that business was in the exciting world of safety compliance management software. So, you know, why am I telling you this? Well, that company got to a point where we were hiring two people a week. And I'm an engineer. I'm very data driven. You know, we were getting to the point where we were hiring two people knowing that one would be let go. So we thought there has to be a better way. We're collecting resume data, performance data, psychometric data. Why aren't we doing a better job? selecting people. So when that first business was successfully acquired in 2012, we started Ideal. And our, and our goal was to use data. You know, our goal wasn't to start a machine learning or AI company. Our goal was to use data to help make the talent decision-making process more efficient, accurate, and fair. And so we built Ideal for almost eight years. And then Ceridian was one of our partners. It was an amazing fit. And Ceridian acquired us 18 months ago. And since then, I am continuing my my talent journey at being the general manager of talent intelligence. So all talent products lead up to myself and my business partner. So we're both the general managers at Serenium. Excellent. So an exciting journey. Is it has it gone to plan? Is it kind of planned out as you thought, or was it a bit of a surprise that kind of the business got bought? It's well, it, it definitely not a surprise. You know, it was it was a conscious decision. You know, one of the big decision-making factors was you know, twofold. I'll, I'll look at it from two perspectives. One, from a data perspective, as a startup, when you're trying to connect to systems, it gets harder and harder. You know, connecting to large enterprise customers, you know, connecting to performance, connecting to learning, that becomes more and more difficult. So we thought, you know, what's the best way to kind of take our vision to the next level? And it really was Dayforce's continuous single platform. So that was a huge advantage. And the second part of that is really the team. You know, the, from the CEO to the CTO to our, sorry, our co-CEOs, amazing leadership. Uh, and, and I think we have a bit of that entrepreneurial spirit within Ceridian, although we're a large company. So that, that's quite rare to have. So everything's been going great so far. Excellent. Excellent. So today we're going to talk about talent. Um, and in your new role in the world of Ceridian, have you inherited more product portfolio or do you just focus on the same ones as before? So the truth is, before being acquired, we really focused specifically in talent acquisition. And since then, we've taken a 
broader portfolio, the total portfolio of talent products. So if you're to think of what Dayforce offers, what Ceridian offers, kind of group it into three different sections. There's talent acquisition, which is recruiting and onboarding. There's talent management, which is succession, engagement, compensation, career exploration, career explorer, performance, and learning. And then a layer across all of that is talent analytics. So although our roots were in talent acquisition, we've then since taken on that entire product portfolio. So more work. <laughs> Very interesting work because, you know, it's always been our vision to kind of connect end-to-end employee data. So it, it is interesting. Excellent. Good. So let's just talk about talent then. Um, clearly, we're living in a world, certainly in the UK, and I think from some of the other recordings we did, certainly with Seth in terms of the, the future of pay, I think USA is very similar, maybe Canada is the same. Um, we're really struggling to attract people in the UK. So there's more jobs than people. Uh, but then once people land, there's organizations that are really struggling to keep people because there's other people that are either paying more, doing more career development, there's more broader opportunities in the business. So how does that fit with kind of the stuff you're seeing and you're looking at and, and where do you see this future of holding on to top talent panning out and going? That's a great question. So, you know, there's there's two to two ways to look at that. Where do we think talent technology is going? in general, and what are the problems that we're seeing right now? So the problems that we're seeing right now, just to touch on your point, we kind of call them the three R's, recruiting, retention, and reskilling. So recruiting, we're seeing this throughout. We know we need to hire more people. We need to hire them quickly. So in the world of recruiting, we're seeing a move towards better obviously a better candidate experience, continuous communication with the candidate. So, you know, the old way of emailing and calling that, you know, that no longer works. So that is recruiting. When it comes to retention, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do there. We're seeing a trend in that area around belonging and inclusiveness. If you can improve belonging and inclusiveness within your company, retention goes up and there's a ton of statistics around that. The final thing is reskilling. Now you have, you know, you've, you spent all that time bringing the people in, all of those resources, bringing people in. How do you keep them? And that's where reskilling comes in. How do you provide employees with growth opportunities? How do you provide them with career growth, a career path, career pathways, upskilling them, reskilling them? How do you operationalize that so you can do that at scale? Those are the, the kind of the three R's that we focus when, or we notice that's the area of focus right now. From a where is talent going from a talent technology standpoint? We truly believe that, you know, I have this title, General Manager of Talent Intelligence, and that's kind of a unique title. You know, there at our scale, you know, there isn't really other people. I don't have peers that that you know work at competitors that have that title. And why is that? Because we truly believe that. The way we've been doing things in the past isn't the way that we're going to do things in the in the future. So we don't want to take an incremental step. We want to take like a generational step ahead. And that's why we're focused on, on talent intelligence. So when you think of talent intelligence, think of it as the next generation of talent tools. And the best way to think of it, and the best way I think of it is I think of all the consumer systems around me, the way that we buy products, the way that we watch movies, the way that we 
you know, li- listen to music. All of that is based on recommendations and suggestions. So it, it's helped make our decision-making using data more intelligent and more automated. So unfortunately in the world of talent and, you know, enterprise software in general, usually it's a little bit behind that. You know, we're not using suggestions and recommendations. We're not fully using AI and machine learning to generate those recommendations. So that's what talent intelligence represents. It's using all the data that's available from recruiting to performance, to learning, to payroll, using all of that data to help make the talent decision-making more intelligent. So, you know, it kind of in summary, the problems that we're seeing right now, recruiting, retaining, and reskilling, and where we see the talent technology part going is truly towards that new category of talent intelligence. And when you say it's using kind of machine learning and AI, what what type of things is it then starting to predict and using historic data and all the algorithms to help people in terms of their decision-making? Absolutely. So, I mean, it really depends of where you are in the employee lifecycle, but let's start from the beginning. From a recruiting standpoint, AI and machine learning might help a recruiter prioritize who they should talk to first. So if you have a thousand candidates, the AI might suggest, hey, you know, out of the thousand, you should go after this top 5%. Why? Because they have the skills that you require or they're the best fit candidates for that match or sorry, best fit match for that job requisition. So that's an example of recruiting. Let's take it from a point of view from a candidate, candidate experience. So what do candidates do right now? They go to a career website and they use keywords to search for jobs. You know, when's the last time you went to Netflix and typed in action movie with the hopes of a right action movie that you like is going to pop up? And it doesn't work that way. So instead, you know, using AI machine learning, a candidate will upload the resume and they'll be recommended jobs that are a great fit automatically. Again, suggestions. The third area is, hey, let's look at it from a point of view of an employee. I want to be able to get from, you know, where I am now, let's say that's a marketing intern, to I want to be the chief marketing officer. How do I get there? So using AI machine learning to generate the skills that you need, and then from there, the development plans that you need to get those skills. That could be learning path, mentorship opportunities, job opportunities, gig opportunities, all of the above to kind of get that person from here to there. So those are just a couple of examples of how AI machine learning is using that suggestion, that that recommendation-based approach, helping you know everyone from the recruiter to the employee to the candidate. And does that then prove in terms of metrics moving forward, do you see kind of better candidates recruited that are more fit for the, for the job and that they stay longer? What are the kind of then downstream um, benefits of that approach? Hundred percent. So the, the 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 beginning, the kind of the the easy stuff is the efficiency piece. So if if you're constantly communicating with candidates, if you're providing them with a better experience, if your recruiters are faster at reacting to the right candidates, or faster in general to act to the right candidates or candidates in general, you're seeing a reduction in time to fill. So that is you know number one. How do we get to the candidates? Make a good great candidate experience. How do we reduce time to fill? That's the efficiency side. You know that's. That's pretty, that's kind of the the easiest to understand. And then some of the other metrics are, okay, how are we improving accuracy? So accuracy and retention to me are kind of one of the same thing. How are we improving retention? If you're selecting the right people, if you're giving them a great experience as an employee, you will see improvements in retention. And so we've already seen improvements in retention in specific 
high volume scenarios, measuring retention over a longer period of time since the technology is you know relatively new is you know there you know we're we're still kind of figuring out long term metrics on retention, but right away in, in high volume areas, think of call centers, we have seen improvements in retention immediately, and then downstream, even thinking about metrics such as you know, fairness, uh, do people feel more like they belong at work? Or do they feel more inclusive, which helps with retention? We're helping measuring those, those metrics as well, which are newer metrics that people don't always think about. But these are metrics that are important because they do help with retention. So kind of all of those metrics from efficiency to retention to fairness, efficiency, accuracy and fairness. Those are the metrics I think people are looking at and things that we help measure. Excellent. And in terms of the future post this, so you've talked about kind of changing the game and taking this step change. Where are we going to be in kind of 10, 15 years time? Do you have any views on that yet or is it too far out to call? Ooh, that is far out. But I think, you know, the, the best way to think about this, let's say five or 10 years down the road, typically HR or enterprise software lags our consumer lives. So again, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, when you know you were to think about how to buy a book, you would literally go to a list of a thousand books, maybe listed in alphabetical order. Now, when you go to your favorite e-commerce website or when you listen to music, you would never ever think, I am just gonna go through a list of music or a list of movies or a list of products. You know, you just don't think that way. So I think in the next five to ten years. We're going to shift the way that we think of talent decisions. And I mentioned recommendations and suggestions. I think that is just going to be second nature. Someone being able to get a recommendation for a career and then given all the path to get there or being able to understand as a candidate, these are the the best choice options at, at this company. Again, having that recommendation is going to be second nature. You're not going to be using keywords. So I think the future... Is, is, is that recommendation suggestion where it becomes second nature, where it's not a, a novel feature. It's, it's just, you know, this is the way, of course, this is the way it is. But behind the scenes, I think what's going to drive that is end-to-end data. And so, again, if we look at the world of consumer systems, you know, let's look at, you know, Google, for example. You know, they present you with an ad. They, they essentially track you and then they figure out, hey, did you make that purchase or not? And then they kind of use that feedback loop to get smarter and smarter. In talent, we actually have that feedback loop. If you have the right system, you have who applied to a job, who was interviewed, who was hired, who got a great performance review, who got a pay increase. You you have that end-to-end data. Now, specifically with Dayforce, we have that end-to-end data. That's what makes us very powerful. It's that single system, that single architecture, that single database. And I think five to 10 years down the road, that data becomes your superpower. It becomes that moat that becomes essentially, in my mind, unstoppable because it makes those recommendations and suggestions that much more powerful. So in summary, you know, five to 10 years, recommendations, suggestions, second nature, and data will be the superpower behind the system. Even more so today, data is going to be the most valuable asset in the world, I think, in the in the future. It's going to overpower any precious metal, isn't it? I, I truly believe that we've always had that opinion. It's, you know, I kind of call it our superpower. And yeah, I truly believe that. So in terms of current trends you're seeing, um, 
I know you want to talk about skills and how Ceridian do skills, but what current trends are you seeing in this whole talent market? Definitely it's no, definitely skills is one. So I'll talk about that. But I think another area that, 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 that is a big area of focus is around diversity, equity, inclusion. So I think everyone realizes that, you know, DE&I is very important. It's a strategic objective for most companies. There's a ton of data that shows the more diverse you are, the, the better your company performs, the more innovative you are. So, you know, there are studies that show this. But I think the trend is, okay, we know what's important. You know, how do we measure it? How do we improve it? Now, there's DE&I. A lot of people just think of that as the demographic data. That's just the, the, the diversity piece. But what about the equity piece? What about the inclusion piece? I think that's a trend that we're moving towards, being able to measure that and being able to combine that data, diversity, equity, inclusion, to provide real insights. I think that's one area. And then, of course, skills. You know, We have something called the Day 4 Skills Engine. This is something that we're announcing. It is super exciting. And I think we do skills differently. And I think we do it a lot you know, uh, with a lot more thought because we have data from the entire life cycle of the employee. So skills are not, they shouldn't be, you know, skills in recruiting, skills in learning. They really need to be end-to-end. And I think we've taken a really comprehensive approach the way that we look at skills. And when's that being announced and kind of what's the, what's the plan for skills? Yeah, so so skills are going to be announced at our conference at Insight. So that is just next week in, in November. So that is something that we're really proud about. And the way that we're doing skills is different in really three ways. One is our skills are pervasive throughout day four. So we, we infer skills from recruiting. We take skills from learning. We push skills onto performance. Because we have that end-to-end data, we're able to kind of sprinkle skills throughout the system. The second part is the way that we do it differently. You know, we, we don't just take, a, take an organizational view of skills. We go right down to an individual. So an individual look at skills, just like, you know, you do pay payroll at a, an entire company and aggregate, but you can drill down to a person. We do the same thing with skills. And I think the third thing that we do differently with skills, which I think is super important, we've always taken this approach is we take a open standards-based approach to skills. So we don't believe that someone should be locked into a proprietary skills ontology. We've taken a standards open-based approach, which means companies won't be locked into a skills ontology or proprietary skills ontology. And two, if we all agree that skills are going to be a a growing part of the talent ecosystem, well, there are going to be other systems that generate skills and we want to be able to ingest them into day four. So, you know, that's why we've taken an open approach, a standards-based approach, because it provides the most openness to, to, to us and what our customers want to do. Excellent. So exciting stuff then coming forward. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a, it's a big announcement for us and it's very exciting. Good. Well, we'll watch this space. I'm sure there'll be lots more information over the kind of social channels when all that's, um, that's announced. And then in terms of metrics, what are the key metrics that people are are looking for? You've mentioned some there about kind of diversity, accuracy, fairness, but what are the key metrics that people are looking for in this whole talent sphere? Yeah, I mean, if we divide them out kind of into the three areas, efficiency, it's your your typical time to fill, but reaction time to candidates. You know, uh, 81% of candidates want to be in constant communication 
So that means texting. That doesn't mean email. So, you know, how quickly can you react to candidates? How quickly can you reduce time to fill? Average time to fill is about 30 days. Top candidates only last for 10 days. So you, know, you need to improve those, those metrics. So the efficiency time to fill, that's kind of the easy one. On the accuracy piece, again, when you're thinking about accuracy, you can think of metrics such as, you know, how many interviews do we need to get to a hire? You know, and clearly in certain scenarios, people are interviewing the wrong people and, 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 they, and they increase the number of interviews without increasing the number of hires. You know, in an ideal scenario, you want to interview the right people. So your ratio from interview to hire is actually uh, more in line. So you're actually interviewing the right people and hiring them in a higher number. So that's an interesting look at how some people look at their, their accuracy metrics. And then on the kind of on the end side, it's that diversity, equity, inclusion, being able to measure how equitable are our decisions. You know, a, a good way to think about this is, hey, we've attracted 50% of one demographic. So let's say men, 50% women. How many people did we interview? Did we only interview 5% women? There's an inequity in that process. And can we uncover that inequity? So that is something that's really important to uncover. So people are really focusing on those metrics as well. You know, how fair are our processes? Is there an inequity? So starting with efficiency, kind of in the accuracy, obviously retention's in there as well. These are metrics that people focus on. How do we improve first-year retention? How do we improve long-term retention? And then how do we improve fairness? Looking at equity between one kind of talent goalpost to another. And then even looking at things like inclusion, belonging, how are we improving how our employees feel. Now, this is measured through engagement surveys, you know, kind of end to end, you can look at that entire funnel. And you kind of got me thinking there on that first point in terms of the efficiency of the process, because clearly one of the things that's hidden in lots of organizations is um, the cost of recruitment and the cost of churn. So I liked your point around being absolutely more targeted on the type of people you're interviewing, making sure that the right candidates clearly moving for that top talent within the first 10 days because somebody else will snap them up. But actually that cost of interview, so the person who's interviewing or the interviewees is hidden, isn't it? Because I could interview 10 people, not employ any, because all the underlying suggestions, functionality to get to that point of interview aren't in the right place. Absolutely. And when you think about what a recruiter does, you know, you know, go, go speak to a recruiter. When's the last time a recruiter said, Hey, I want to spend my time scheduling interviews and, um, you know, screening resumes. You know, they, they didn't sign up for that. They, they signed up to build relationships, talk to the right candidates, negotiate with them, storytell. So that's where the tools come in. So imagine you're a recruiter and you're automatically shortlisted, you know, the, the top 5% of the candidates. So you can kind of focus on strategic tasks versus non-strategic tasks. And to your point, that's a lot more valuable and that's a better use of their time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this, this marketplace is going to be really interesting, isn't it? And I think back to probably the first conversation we had with Seth and the second one with Paul, and then you've, you've almost completed the loop. Maybe we've jumped back a bit, a bit before WFM, but the fact you, you as Ceridian hold all this data. So let's call it kind of cradle to grave. My first day to my, last day and you can plan me you know all about me you can help me develop you can use the kind of smart algorithms in the machine learning to make sure i'm moving in the right direction whether that be upward sideways whatever is right for me gives you a, a real advantage over organizations that hold all that data in different places 
So take it from me. I, you know, I, I, I used to, I started a startup that would connect with all of the other HCM providers. And when we looked at the market and what we thought would be that superpower, as you said, in five to 10 years, it's having all that data in one spot. It, because without having it in one spot, you can't run machine learning and AI. You can't run analytics. You can't look at data across the entire life cycle because it's very difficult to do that if you have kind of cobbled together systems. And, and, and that's exactly it. Because we're with one system, one database, one single architecture, it makes that really powerful. And you know, to, to my coworkers and colleagues, you can layer on features. So we talked about retention. You know, we have a feature called Career Explorer that helps with retention because it helps someone map out their career. But layer that on with something like Dayforce Wallet, which also increases retention. Now you have that one plus one equals three scenario. You're, you're, you're attacking retention in, in two different ways. So that's the way we look at things. And again, yeah, that, that data becomes very powerful. Yeah, well, it, well, it was cool, and Seth touched on that. So, if people haven't listened to episode one of this mini series, then listen to the episode with Seth because we talk all about Dayforce, what Dayforce Wallet, and all the cool functionality that kind of comes with it. And certainly, that's something that's going to help the whole retention piece in the UK moving forward. So let's let's pause there. I think we've covered loads of ground, certainly on this one and, and in the other two episodes. If people want to find out more about talent, about some of the conversation we had, take it a bit further in more detail, where's the best place for them to find you? The best place is visit our website at ceridian.com or email me at soman.mondel at ceridian.com. Cool. And we'll put your link to LinkedIn as well. So if people want to find you through LinkedIn, they can click on the, the link in the show notes and find you there. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. So really appreciate your time. An another great one. This draws a line under the, the series of three and I just encourage people to kind of listen to them. So we did episode one with Seth on the future of pay, touched on Dayforce Wallet. Episode two with Paul on the future of WFM workforce management. So that whole planning, scheduling, paying people. And then today with Soman on the future of talent. So a great mini series. Thanks again for coming on Soman and we'll catch up soon. Thank you, Simon. And thank you everyone else.